Support for this program is brought to you by Genentech, the makers of Abysmo, Farisimab SVOA. There's more to explore. Discover all the data at vabysmo-hcp.com. That's V-A-B-Y-S-M-O-H-C-P.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the new Retina Radio Journal Club with VBS. I'm Eric Noodleman, an Associate Professor of Ophthalmology at the Shiley Eye Institute at UC San Diego. I'd like to thank my uh, fabulous panel for joining me today. I have John Miller, uh, who's an Assistant Professor of Ophthalmology at Mass Ioneer. Hi, John. Hi, Eric. Thanos Papakostas, who's in private practice with the Retina Institute in St. Louis. Hey, Thanos. Hi, Eric. And Priya Vicaria, who's in private practice with the Retina Vitreous Associates of Florida in Tampa, Florida. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, so we're going to discuss a paper on reimbursement trends for common vitreoretinal procedures. And after the break, we'll delve into the implications of the paper's findings and discuss how practicing clinicians may be affected. So we're going to start our discussion uh, with a summary from Thanos. Thank you, Eric. This is a paper by Nicolas de Ruder et al. for the Health Economics Committee of uh, ASRS. It was a review of reimbursement changes from 2011 to 2020. Nominal uh, and inflation-adjusted changes were analyzed. There's lots of code in here, so please bear with me. The following codes were analyzed, 67025, which is an injection of a vitreous substitute, uh, or gas, 67028, which is the very common code that we use for all our intravitreal injections in the clinic, 67036, which is prosplenal vitrectomy, 67039, prosplenal vitrectomy with focal laser, 67040, vitrectomy with PRP, 67041, vitrectomy with membrane pill, 67042, vitrectomy with island pill, 67043, a code that is more rarely used, vitrectomy with excision of a subretinal membrane, 67107, sclera buckle, 67108, vitrectomy for retinal detachment, 67110, which is the code for pneumatic retinopexy, 67113, which is the code for complicated retinal detachment, vitrectomy with membrane pill, and all other associated procedures. 67121, which is removal of uh, dislocated IOL. 67145, repair of retinal detachment with laser. And 67229, um, uh, photocoagulation for ROP. Nominal changes uh, range from increase of 12% to decrease of 23%. The average nominal reimbursements decreased by around 7%. The codes that were negatively and significantly associated uh, with time were 67028, the most common code that we use for our intravitreal injections, 67108, vitrectomy for retinal detachment, and 67113, which is vitrectomy for complex retinal detachment. The codes that were positively and significantly associated with time were 67110 and 67229. 
the 67025 code had the least change and was used as a reference. So compared to this code, the following codes experience significant reductions in nominal reimbursement. And the codes were 67039, 67040, 67042, 43, 67108, which is our most common code for retinal detachment repair, and 67113. All codes experienced a decrease in reimbursements after adjusting for inflation, even if they experienced a nominal increase during the study period, which is quite interesting. So eight out of 15 procedures experienced a significant reduction after adjusting for inflation. And these were the following, 67039, 040-041-42-43-67107-Disclara-Buckle-Code-67108-67113. the the inflation-adjusted reduction of about 15%. And the intravitreal injection, the 67028, our most commonly used code, had an inflation-adjusted reduction of 19 to 20%. Fantastic. Donald, thanks for the, uh, for the excellent summary there. Felt like I, a little bit like I was on trial and you were listing my uh, crimes. <laughs> <laughs> John, what did, what did you think? What's your uh, reaction? I mean, I think it, it's uh, it's kind of depressing to see that graph with all those negatives, but uh, <clears throat> I think it's kind of typical of the times we're being asked to do more with less. That's kind of how it's been, you know, care-wise last couple of years, short staff, a lot of patients, and this is sort of just a similar trend where we're seeing reducing reimbursements, probably because we're getting more efficient at doing things, and we do have it pretty good still as retina specialists overall, I think, compensation-wise. Priya, you want to give us a quick reaction as well? Yeah, you know, I think that um, this is expected as well. Um, unfortunately, you know, no retina specialists want this, but as things shift in the Medicare pie, things shift away from certain areas and shift towards other areas. Um, you know, I think that the, the problem is that when there is reduced reimbursement, it, it almost forces retina specialists to just do more. So, you know, we've all seen it. Our clinics are getting busier and busier. Um, but, but as John said, we're getting more efficient. So we're able to accommodate that volume. Um, but again, this is not something that we're surprised by. Great. Now, I think, thanks very much. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And I just want to remind the audience when we come back, we're going to discuss this paper in more detail. Welcome back everybody to the new Retina Radio Journal Club with VBS. I'm Eric Noodleman and I'm here with Priya Vakaria, John Miller and Thanos Papakostas. We just heard from Thanos about the trends and reimbursements identified in a paper by De Routier et al. And now I'd like to hear from all three of our panelists about their thoughts. So Thanos, um, you recently transitioned from an academic environment to private practice. Just curious uh, how these cuts have sort of uh, affected you. Uh, I don't mean about your bottom line, but is this is this a uh, a larger portion of what you're thinking about these days? Yeah, you always have to think about uh, the reimbursement and you know the economics in you know in any practice in a private practice in in academia everywhere. Um, you know this is the reality. 
uh, the growing the aging population is growing we do have more patients to serve uh, we've become very efficient in our surgeries and our procedures in the clinic so that's inevitable that the reimbursements uh, will go down now our role as retina specialist is to always provide the best healthcare to our patients uh, make our clinics run efficiently and adapt to the new environment. Absolutely. Right, Priya, do, do these changes in any way influence the decisions that you make clinically? No, I don't think so. I don't, you know, I think for most retina specialists, we always treat the patient first and then the coding actually comes, you know, at least for me after clinic, after, you know, when I need to go home, I'm quickly coding and, and trying to close out the chart. So I don't think it really affects anything about, you know, what I would select for a patient or what I would do. Um, yeah, I think it's just important to kind of keep in mind. Um, and again, the pie shifts. So while the pie shifts away from some things, so it might shift away from paying for a primary vitrectomy, it shifts towards other things that it should shift towards, for example, laser for uh, ROP. Um, and so while, you know, we can be disheartened by the cuts that that happen, you have to also keep in mind there are positive um, additions in other parts of the specialty for us or in other parts of medicine that have positive effects. Yeah, thanks Priya very much for mentioning the ROP laser. Uh, and thank you to CMS for maintaining the reimbursements for that since uh, my neck hurts every time that I do one. Uh, and I did one this morning, so. Um, we, we, appreciate we appreciate you doing them there. We appreciate you, you pediatric retina specialists. So. Thanks John. Um, so, you know, to be honest, this is not, these changes are not something that I, um, I pay attention to. I, I don't really have my finger on the pulse in terms of, um, you know, how the pie is divided up. So I really appreciated this paper just to give me a sense of what's been going on. Um, John, have you been, um, following this over the last several years? I haven't. Uh, it's not something I look at very closely often. I do generally hear uh, about code reductions from our you know, hospital administration, but I hadn't really looked to this level of detail and the specific procedures. And so this was nice to give us this overview over the last decade. Uh, I think it also highlights the ASRS and other professional societies and their role in, in advocating for us and our patients. I think this is something that does have to maintain a constant uh, conversation between those groups and and payers. I mean, ultimately, these codes do allow us to, to pay for our support staff and administration staff. And that, that really is critical, as we all know, to delivering patient care on a daily basis. So um, it is disappointing to see them going down. But ultimately, I think, you know, our instrument surgical instrumentation has improved a lot over the last decade. And I think we have gotten faster and more efficient in the OR and with uh, other procedures. And that's probably what is uh, keying, keying this change. I think we still have a great specialty, a high quality of life, and I, there's nothing else I'd rather do regardless of what the compensation is. Amen. Beautifully said. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Priya, do you think that um, reimbursements should reflect our efficiency? Does, does this make sense that the government would look at sort of the timing that we um, dedicate to particular procedures and uh, reimburse us accordingly? As we get more efficient, I do think that is part of decreasing reimbursement. Um, you know, I, I don't think any retina specialist is advocating for decreased reimbursement, but we do have to keep in mind this is we, we are a part of the pie, um, and our our patients have other health issues other than their retina. Yeah, 
you know, it's interesting that the paper notes that um, 56 million patients are currently on Medicare and that's expected to double by 2060. Um, however, the, the pie for CMS has not grown accordingly. So uh, we can sort of infer that uh, the re reimbursements are gonna continue to go down. Um, do you think we're gonna be able to continue to take care of patients with the same level of quality if our volume increases that dramatically uh, in the coming decades on us? I think so. I'm optimistic because science will uh, and technology will give us the answers. Uh, the model right now doing an injection every month for years uh, and years and years, it's not sustainable. So science will give us the answer and we'll have devices that will be sustained delivery devices. So perhaps we won't need to see all these patients as often as we see them now. Telemedicine will kick in. So I think technology will be extremely helpful. And overall, I think we will adjust our practices over the years. Yeah, great. Were there any of these um, changes that were particularly noteworthy to you, uh, John? I guess I'd just like to understand a little bit why certain procedures are going up and others are going down. It's kind of, I always find it kind of odd uh, to, to see that pneumatic is relatively increasing while vitrectomy or complex renal detachment repair is going down. I think that that struck me. It, it kind of reminded me of a few years ago when we saw PRP uh, reimbursement go down while injections still remain incredibly high. And we all know that the intravitreal injection drugs are a very expensive part of, of the Medicare uh, funds. So I think that was an interesting example where you saw a PRP, which is sort of a permanent, more long lasting solution was actually seeing a reduction and then something that's expensive was sort of maintaining. So I, I think I wish I could get a little bit more insight uh, from these organizations as to why these specific procedures are going up or down. That's a very good point. In fact, you know, we, we had a discussion uh, in the uh, last session about um, the effects of uh, pneumatic retinopexy uh, compared to vitrectomy on the anatomy of the retina uh, and how there are some potential advantages. Um, and with combined with these reimbursement changes, we may see differences uh, in, in people's practice patterns in the coming years. Priya, does, does that influence you at all? No, I, I, I again, I don't think it influences us because we are all also kind of, we hold ourselves to the standard of single success um, surgical repair and so, even if pneumatic has a higher reimbursement rate, you know, none of us want to take a patient back to the operating room. That's, that's, you know, part of our primary goal is, is to get a single surgery success. So I, I would say no, you know, it's interesting. I, I do think that perhaps pneumatics went up because they are a little bit technically challenging in the office. They certainly are stressful to fit in, in the middle of a clinic day. Um, and it requires a lot of logistics and a little bit more patient handholding. You see the patients really frequently after. So perhaps that contributed to the increased reimbursement. Um, but uh, no, I, I don't think there's any retina specialist out there who would let, or I hope that there's no retina specialist out there who would let reimbursement guide their practice pattern. All right, great. Thanks everybody very much for, uh, for listening. And thank you to the panelists for an enlightening conversation. Um, I think this, uh, this paper gives us a lot of insight about, um, about the trends and, um, and gives us a lot of things to think about in the future. So 
Thank you for listening to New Retina Radio Journal Club with BBS and please stay tuned for further episodes.